Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton and to the year 2022 CE. Thank you. My name is Michelle Vandermolen and I will be your service leader this morning. I'm joined here today by my husband John Pater and our daughter Erin Vandermolen Pater. We do hope you feel welcome here and that this service will be a blessing to you. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritual-questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. The service today is focused on our reflections on the stories of the year past. It's an annual year-end service with reflections, readings, and music lovingly and thoughtfully prepared by John. This service is in keeping with the theme for this month's services here at UCE of living with intention. We will be taking time to intentionally remember and bear witness to the stories of our lives, our culture, and our world. And so as we begin this special hour together, whether here in person on Zoom right now, or later if you watch a recorded version of the service, I invite you to quiet your devices and yourselves so that we can all enjoy. Our first song will be Four Strong Wings. strong winds that blow lonely, seven seas that run high, all those things that don't change, come what may. But our good times are all gone, and I'm bound for moving on. I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way. Think I'll go out to Alberta. Weather's good there in the fall. I got some friends that I can go to work in for. Still, I wish you'd change your mind. If I asked you one more time, but we've been through that a hundred times or more. Four strong winds that blow lonely, seven seas that run high, all those things that don't change, come what may. But our good times are all gone, and I'm bound for moving on. 
I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way. If I get there before the snow flies, and if things are looking good, you could meet me if I send you down the fair. But by then it would be winter, not a lot for you to do. And those winds, they sure blow cold way out there. For strong winds that blow lonely, seven seas that run high, all those things that don't change, come what may. But our good times are all gone, and I'm bound for moving on. I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way. One more time with the chorus. For strong winds that blow lonely, seven seas that run high, all those things that don't change, come what may. But our good times are all gone, and I'm bound for moving on. I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way. I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way. So I'll ask Michelle to light the chalice. And we'll open the chalice with these words, um, a traditional song that was adapted by Lorena McKennett. And so the world goes round and round, and every time and season, with pleasure and with profit, crowns the passage of the year. And then in that same vein from Charles Dickens, some words that I think speak to the meanings of the stories of 2021. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. So now a story. As you know, I, I love novels and fiction. That's where I turn to for lots of the meaning I get. And one of the stories, the novels I reread this year is a novel called, um, what's it called again? It's called The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zabon. And I'm gonna read you an excerpt from that story. Uh, where we are in the story, it's very close to the beginning of the story. And a young man, um, a 10-year-old boy, and his dad, 
they live above a bookshop. That's one of my dreams, live above a bookshop. And Daniel's, Daniel, the young boy, has had some nightmares. So his dad says, I'm going to take you to a secret place. And we pick up the story there. As they're walking through the streets of Barcelona. At last, my father stopped in front of a large door of carved wood, blackened by time and humidity. Before us loomed what to my eyes seemed the carcass of a palace, a place of echoes and shadows. Daniel, you mustn't tell anyone what you're about to see today. Not even your best friend, Thomas. No one. A smallish man with vulturine features framed by thick gray hair opened the door. His impenetrable aquiline gaze rested on mine. Good morning, Isaac. This is my son, Daniel, my father announced. Soon he'll be 11, and one day the shop will be his. It's time he knows this place. The man called Isaac nodded and invited us in. A blue-tinted gloom obscured the sinuous contours of a marble staircase and a gallery of frescoes peopled with angels and fabulous creatures. We followed our host through a palatial corridor and arrived at a sprawling round hall, a virtual basilica of shadows spiraling up under a high glass dome, its dimness pierced by shafts of light that stabbed from above. A labyrinth of passageways and crammed bookshelves rose from base to pinnacle like a beehive woven with tunnels, steps, platforms, and bridges that presaged an immense library of seemingly impossible geometry. I looked at my father, stunned. He smiled at me and winked. Welcome to the Cemetery of Forgotten Books, Daniel. I could make out about a dozen human figures scattered among the library's corridors and platforms. Some of them turned to greet me from afar, and I recognized the faces of various colleagues of my father's, fellows of the Secondhand Booksellers Guild. To my 10-year-old eyes, they looked like a brotherhood of alchemists in furtive study. My father knelt next to me and, with his eyes fixed on mine, addressed me in the hushed voice he reserved for promises and secrets. This is a place of mystery, Daniel, a sanctuary. Every book, every volume you see here has a soul, the soul of the person who wrote it and of those who read it and lived and dreamed with it. Every time a book changes hands, Every time someone runs his eyes down its pages, its spirit grows and strengthens. This place was already ancient when my father brought me here for the first time many years ago, perhaps as old as the city itself. Nobody knows for certain how long it has existed or who created it. I will tell you what my father told me, though. When a library disappears or a bookshop closes down, when a book is consigned to oblivion, those of us who know this place, its guardians, make sure that it gets here. In this place, books no longer remembered by anyone, books that are lost in time, live forever, waiting for the day when they will reach a new reader's hands. In the shop, we buy and sell them, but in truth, books have no owner. 
Every book you see here has been somebody's best friend. Now they have only us, Daniel. Do you think you'll be able to keep such a secret? My gaze was lost in the immensity of the place and its sorcery of light. I nodded and my father smiled. And do you know the best thing about it, he asked. I shook my head. According to tradition, the first time someone visits this place, he must choose a book, whichever he wants, and adopt it, making sure that it will never disappear, that it will always stay alive. It's a very important promise for life, explained my father. Today, it's your turn. For almost half an hour, I wandered within the winding labyrinth, breathing in the smell of old paper and dust. I let my hand brush across the avenues of exposed spines, musing over what my choice would be. Among the titles faded by age, I distinguished words with in familiar languages and others I couldn't identify. I roamed through galleries filled with hundreds, thousands of volumes. After a while, it occurred to me that between the covers of each of those books, by a boundless universe waiting to be discovered, while beyond those walls and the outside world, people allowed life to pass by in afternoons of football and radio soaps, content to do little more than gaze at their navels. It might have been that notion or just chance or its more flamboyant relative, destiny. But at that precise moment, I knew I had already chosen the book I was going to adopt, or that was going to adopt me. It stood out timidly on one corner of a shelf, bound in wine-colored leather. The gold letters of its title gleamed in the light, bleeding from the dome above. I drew near and caressed them with the tips of my fingers, reading to myself. The Shadow of the Wind, Julian Carax. I had never heard of the title of the author, of the title or the author, but I didn't care. The decision had been taken. I pulled the volume down with great care and leafed through the pages, letting them flutter. Once liberated from its prison on the shelf, the book shed a cloud of golden dust. Pleased with my choice, I tucked it under my arm and retrace my steps through the labyrinth with a smile on my lips. Perhaps the bewitching atmosphere of the place had got the better of me, but I felt sure that the shadow of the wind had been waiting for me there for years, probably since before I was born. That afternoon back in the apartment on Calle Santa Ana, I barricaded myself in my room to read the first few lines. Before I knew what was happening, I had fallen right into it. The novel told the story of a man in search of his real father, when he never, who he never knew, and whose existence was only revealed to him by his mother on her deathbed. The story of that quest became a ghostly odyssey in which the protagonist struggled to recover his lost youth, and in which the shadow of a cursed love slowly surfaced to haunt him until her last breath. As it unfolded, the structure of the story began to remind me of one of those Russian dolls that contain innumerable, even smaller dolls within. Step by step, the narrative split into a thousand stories, as if it had entered a gallery of mirrors, its identity fragmented into endless reflections. The minutes and hours glided by as in a dream. When the cathedral bells tolled midnight, I barely heard them. 
Under the warm light cast by the reading lamp, I was plunged into a new world of images and sensations, peopled by characters who seemed as real to me as my room. Page after page, I let the spell of the story and its world take me over until the breath of dawn touched my window and my tired eyes slid over the last page. I lay in the bl bluish half light with the book on my chest and listened to the murmur of the sleeping city. My eyes began to close, but I resisted. I did not want to lose the story's spell or bid farewell to its characters yet. The end of the story for now. Our community is entirely self-governing and self-supporting. One of the privileges of our free church tradition is to provide all of the financial support for our many ministries from among ourselves. Generosity, therefore, is one of the spiritual values we recognize as central to our personal and institutional well-being. In addition to supporting this church community, we also make a monthly commitment beyond our walls. One half of the unidentified cash that is received is given to an outside organization. Some are local, some national, and some international. For the month of January, we are sharing our abundance with Change for Children. Change for Children was founded in 1976, 45 years ago, by a small group of people in the Edmonton area who were convinced that concerned Albertans could make a positive impact in the fight against poverty and injustice internationally and in their own communities. You are invited to participate in the celebration of giving in a number of ways. If you're here in person, you can leave your contributions at the end of the service in the offering plates and baskets, which are at the two exit doors. If you are joining us via Zoom or online, you can contribute online at either the Unitarian Church of Edmonton website or the Change for Children website. We thank you for your generosity and your support. With our time, our talents, and our money, we support the work of the community and this Unitarian Universalist tradition. And now we will sing together from you I receive. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share, and for by this we live. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share, and for this we So those of you who've come to this annual uh, reflection service that I've led for probably a decade, um, you'll know that I, at some point in the service we'll be reflecting on the actual stories of the year. In previous years we've passed around a microphone and shared what our top stories were. We're not going to do that this year um, out of respect for a pandemic that's sweeping our lives. But we will still reflect on the stories of the year. I've collect, get, get done some research on that. And we will repurpose our Advent wreath to become a story wreath. Um, and we will use these candles to reflect on the various stories and remember the stories of our time. But I wanted to do some reflecting, first of all, on, um, based on this story, um, The Shadow of the Wind, um, and what that means for our reflecting on stories and being intentional about that. 
So in this uh, visit to the Cemetery of Forgotten Books by Daniel and his dad uh, from The Shadow of the Wind, um, again, um, these thoughts, I was plunged into a new world of images and sensations, peopled by characters who seemed as real to me as my room. Page after page, I felt the spell of the story and its world take me over. I did, I did not want to lose the story's spell or bid farewell to its characters yet. This reflection service is like that for me. It's about not wanting to lose the spell of the stories of the year past, of not wanting to bid farewell to its characters just yet. For most of my life, I've had this compulsion. To this day, I enjoy old school magazines and newspapers that carry the top newsmakers of the year. In my youth, I would listen to the top 100 countdown of the top songs of the year. It would take most of a day to run through that list. I still watch for the CBC or Globe and Mail top 100 books of the year, which then prompts me to seek out the top movies of the year, the top shows on Broadway. The internet is real handy for that now, unlike my youth when there was no such thing. It's about wanting to be reminded of what has transpired this year. What have been the stories of our year? Who have been the influencers of our time? What have those leading characters of our age achieved or not achieved? What have they said? What have they done? Who has achieved fame for what they said or did this year? What are the events that have shaped and had influence on how we lived our lives this year? All of the events, characters, dramas of our year have had an influence, have cast a spell on our world and our lives. And though some of the characters and some of the events, some of the dramas are less than desirable, or disastrous even, we may not have liked how the story turned out. Still the story, the images, the characters have cast their spell and had their influence on us. And so the end of the year for me is a time to reflect on the stories of our lives. I, for one, want to pause, not wanting to lose the spell of the stories I experienced, the stories I read and watched and listened to this year. I'm not ready yet to bid farewell to the characters who have shaped my world and my life. And so this annual service of reflections on the stories of the year past is my intentional way of remaining under their spell for a little while longer. Which brings me to this idea that stories are spell makers, that they seduce and you can get caught up in their world and their characters. And this is true for all stories, well, at least the good ones. I think many of us have experienced the magic of story, much like as, ex as is expressed by the main character, Daniel, son of a bookseller in the shadow of the wind. In another part of the story, he tells a new friend of what it meant to him when he was first caught under the spell of a story. He says this, never before had I felt trapped, seduced and caught up in a story. I had never known the pleasure of reading, of exploring the recesses of the soul, of letting myself be carried away by imagination, beauty, and the mysteries of fiction and language. Imagination, beauty, and the mysteries of language. That is a wonderful description of story, of what goes into the making and telling and retelling of stories. Stories are made up of imagination, beauty, and the mysteries of language. And I want to posit the idea that this is true whether they are real life stories or fictional, 
whether they're stories found in best-selling fiction, stories that come to us from the stages of Broadway or Hollywood screens, or those daily news stories told in newspapers or radio and TV newscasts, or even the stories we tell each other about the happenings in our own lives, whether in person or on our social media feeds. They all are made up of imagination, beauty, and the mysteries of language. Consider any story, real life or fictional. You'll find the basic elements of any good story. Characters, settings, problems facing those characters, the possible solutions for those characters, and the drama along the way. Newscasters assemble those elements every day in the real life stories they tell. Each of us, in the sharing of our personal life experiences with others, use those elements to craft stories, to, to turn real life into narratives, with a narrative arc, a beginning, middle, and ending. Combine those core elements of story and add in the magical ingredients of imagination, beauty, and the mysteries of language, which bring those scenes and events into life, and you have a story. The master storytellers of our time, the writers of fiction, the actors on stage and screen are using the exact same tools and magical ingredients of story. A story well told, whatever its medium, novel, film, newscast, personal story, will cast their spells and trap and seduce us and carry us away into a world and characters outside of our own. That is their gift and their wonder. And then what happens when all those stories of our lives intersect? As the character Daniel discovered, step by step, the narrative split into a thousand stories, as if it had entered a gallery of mirrors, its identity fragmented into endless reflections. Thousands of stories being reflected in a gallery of mirrors characters and worlds that are reflected back at each other. When that happens, do they shed some light and understanding on each other? Do all the narratives that we read, watch, listen to, experience, do they help reflect back some meaning on each other? Do the novels you read, the movies and theater you watch, do the meanings of those stories help provide meaning on the actual lived stories of your time? That's another intentional aspect of this New Year's reflection on stories for me. When we focus for an hour on all the stories of our year, are there new meanings that emerge as we place all those stories in our gallery of mirrors? When we place all those stories side by side, do new ahas emerge? Is new meaning exposed on each individual story? Do we gain a new understanding of what the year as a whole means? I'm convinced that stories can illumine each other, can shed light on each other. What can we learn by paying attention to all the stories of our lives and watch carefully for the endless reflections and meanings that may emerge? On a second visit back to the Cemetery of Forgotten Books, six years later, Daniel reflects further. I couldn't help thinking that if I, by pure chance, had found a whole universe in a single unknown book buried in that endless necropolis, then tens of thousands more would remain unexplored, forgotten forever. I felt myself surrounded by millions of abandoned pages, by worlds and souls without an owner, 
sinking in an ocean of darkness while the world that throbbed outside the library seemed to be losing its memory day after day, unknowingly feeling all the wiser the more it forgot. The simple moral of the story is, don't forget the stories of your life. Don't forget the stories of our lives. This service is dedicated to helping us remember and recall the stories of the past year. No cemetery of forgotten stories for us. But it does take an intentional act to do that remembering, an intentional annual service of remembrance and reflection on the stories of the year past. In social justice circles, there is the language and act of bearing witness. That's what we're doing here today. We're bearing witness to our time and the stories of our time. I think for us religious liberals, there is an additional element of this intentional practice. We need to know and understand the significant stories of our culture. We need to be culturally aware, culturally engaged, if we're to remain relevant to our time and place. Being culturally aware can enable us to figure out what a liberal religious response can or ought to be. Engaging with our culture and our time is important if we're to bring something of value whether that's critique or analysis or news stories, to the broader cultural table. So this annual reflective service can be a reminder for us of the culturally significant stories of 2021 so that we can appropriately respond as liberal religious people. Coming up next in our service, we'll take some time to remember the top stories of our time, the significant characters, events, narratives that we encountered, and that our culture and society encountered in 2021. It will be our way of being memory keepers, of not abandoning the stories, characters, worlds of the stories of our time. May this remembering bless us and inspire us to engage more fully in the stories we encounter each day. So, as an entry to the stories of the year, and as a reflection on this remembering, I invite you to read with me from Hymn 51, Lady of the Season's Laughter, verses 1 and 4. You'll find that in your hymn book. So it's hymn book number 51, Lady of the Season's Laughter. And if you're at home, I believe this is on your screen. Very good, so you can read with us as well. Lady of the season's laughter, in the summer's warmth be near. When the winter follows after, teach our spirits not to fear. Hold us in your steady mercy, lady of the turning year. Goddess of all time's progression, Stand with us when we engage, hands and hearts to end oppression, writing history's fairer page. Hold us in your steady mercy, lady of the turning age. So I've divided the stories of the year into four categories. I know there's very many types of stories, 
but to kind of focus in our time a little bit, I've, uh, I've picked four categories of stories. So one of them is pandemic stories, because that continues to be, for a second year, kind of a driving story of our time. Then we'll go into other stories of our lives, the other news stories, so that's another category. Then I'm having what I'm calling the cultural stories, which can be fiction, movies, music, um, and then personal stories, um, a time to reflect on the personal stories that we each carry. And so starting with the pandemic stories, which I think is kind of the story of the year again, um, this global pandemic, some of the main features of this year of the pandemic. Um, for one, a vaccine is Merriam-Webster Dictionary's word of the year. If we go back through the year, back in January, February, it even started in December um, of 2020, we saw the second wave and lockdown uh, in many locations around the world. In March, uh, vaccines became available for the first healthy public age cohort. In May and June, we saw again another wave of the pandemic and a further lockdown. In July, remember these words, Alberta open for summer, Jason Kenney. On July 1, the Alberta vaccination rate was 62.4% of the total population. In September and October, a fourth wave overwhelmed us and further restrictions. In November, vaccines became available for five to 11-year-olds. In December, the COVID variant Omicron became dominant again, or became a dominant threat. And on December 21st, the Alberta vaccination rate was 78.8% of the total population. So go back in the year for yourself on the significant pandemic stories, um, but that's just some of them. So what I'd like to do with each of these reflections and stories is we'll actually have a little meditation. And so again, I'll invite you to open your hymn book um, to number 158 this time. And as we do that, I'm going to ask Michelle to light the first of our story candles. Um, so Michelle, I'll ask you to lead this. So number 158, verses 1, 2, and 4. Praise the source of faith and learning that has sparked and stoked the mind with a passion for discerning how the world has been designed. Let the sense of wonder flowing from the wonders we survey keep our faith forever growing and renew our need to pray. Source of wisdom, we acknowledge that our science and our art and the breadth of human knowledge only partial truth impart. Far beyond our calculation lies a depth we cannot sound, where the purpose for creation and the pulse of life are found. Praise for minds to probe the heavens, praise for strength to breathe the air, praise for all that beauty leavens, praise for silence, music, prayer. Praise for justice and compassion, and for strangers, neighbors, friends. Praise for hearts and lips to fashion. Praise for love that never ends.
especially wanted Michelle to light that one as a pharmacist. She's experienced the pandemic firsthand. So now let's take a look at some of the other news stories of the year. So back in January, if you remember, a mob stormed the US Capitol building. Also in January, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were sworn in as US President and Vice President. In April, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was found guilty of the murder and the death of George Floyd. In April, we saw the death of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, at the age of 99. In May, there was the discovery of the remains of 215 children buried at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. In July, the Canadian women's soccer team won the Olympic gold medal. In July, Mary Simon was sworn in as Governor General, the first Inuk and first Aboriginal person in Canada. In August, Afghanistan is once again taken over by the Taliban. In September, the federal election saw the Liberals win another minority government. In October, the Edmonton municipal election saw eight women on council and Amarjeet Sohi became our mayor. In December, there was the death of South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So those are just some of the top stories of this year. And so now I'm going to lead this one as a former journalist. These news stories are always important to me. So we're going to have a little meditation on the top news stories of 2021. And if you'll turn in your hymn books to number 17, um, and we'll do a reading from every day and every morn. If you'll join me in this reading. Every night and every morn, some to misery are born. Every morn and every night, some are born to sweet delight. Joy and woe are woven fine, clothing for the soul divine. Under every grief and pine runs a joy with silk and twine. It is right, it should be so, we were made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, safely through the world we go. So now the category of top creative or arts stories of the year. So again, just a small selection. The Scotiabank Giller Prize for 2021, this is for fiction, was Omar Alakad's book, What Strange Paradise. The Writers' Trust of Canada 2021 Fiction Prize went to Katharina Vermette for The Strangers, again another fiction book. In film, the Academy Awards uh, Best Picture in 2021 was Nomad Land. I haven't seen that one yet. And Best Director was Chloe Zhao for Nomad Land. 
in the world of theater, the Tony Awards 2021, um, acknowledging those for uh, the 2019-20 Broadway season, the best musical was Moulin Rouge, the musical. Also this year in theater, Stephen Sondheim, a giant of Broadway, died at age 91. A great quote from him, great musicals bring you humanity on otherworldly levels. Some other famous actors dying this year, Betty White, just a few days ago. Christopher Plummer also died this year, and Olympia Dukakis. So for these top creative stories, I'm going to ask Aaron to come and do the reading with you and then light a candle. So we'll be reading from hymn number 91, Mother of All, All Verses. Mother of all, in every age, in every clime adored, by saint, by poet, and by sage, your praises high have soared. Goddess of nurture and of love, all nature sings your care. In life's extravagance, you prove the gift of giving fair. O spirit of unfolding grace and deepest mystery, teach us compassion's gentle face and wisdom's mastery. Teach us to cherish this proud earth, its fragile beauty praise. And for the dreams your joy gives birth, a hopeful future raise. So our final category is the top personal stories of the year. And in a few moments, I'm gonna invite you to light some candles to commemorate and mark those personal stories, but also all the stories that have impacted you this year. So I'm not gonna be here to uh, articulate what your personal stories were. So I'll let that be with you um, for now, um, whether you're here or, at, or watching on Zoom. Um, but the top personal stories of the year do their intersecting with all these stories that we encounter. So we'll remember them now, and I'll ask Michelle to do the reading for the top personal stories of the year. So from hymn number five, it is something to have wept. Verses one and four, please. It is something to have wept as we have wept, and something to have done as we have done. It is something to have watched when all have slept and seen the stars which never see the sun. Lo, and blessed are our ears, for they have heard. Yea, blessed are our eyes, for they have seen. Let the thunder break on human, beast, and bird, and lightning. It is something to have been.
So now we're going to bring all this together, all these stories of our lives, news stories, pandemic stories, cultural stories, personal stories. And this is where I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to come and light a candle, if you're at home, light your own candle and reflect on all the stories that you've encountered and been part of your life this year. So we'll start with this little reading that I have, um, a brief time of silence, and then Erin will come and she'll be singing um, a wonderful song from Stephen Sondheim called No One Is Alone. And she'll sing that while we invite people to come and light their candles. So these words from Thomas Moore in The Reenchantment of Everyday Life. The mystery evoked by a story is its heart and value. And our reflections on our stories, as well as the way we tell them, read them, and perform them, should be consonant with their mystery. Stories enchant not by allowing us an escape from the human condition, but by taking us to a place of meeting where our personal lives and all that is beyond them meet. So now a brief time of silence, and then I welcome you to come, and I'll invite Aaron to come and sing. You did. 
Some of the key uh, thoughts from that song, No One Is Alone. Sometimes people leave you halfway through the wood. Others may deceive you, you decide what's good. Witches can be right, giants can be good. You decide what's right, you decide what's good. So that's from the musical Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim. And thank you, Aaron. And with that, our reflections time has come to an end. We're going to extinguish the chalice with these words, and then Aaron's going to sing a very famous New Year's song. Um, we have these words from The Shadow of the Wind. Step by step, the narrative split into a thousand stories, as if it had entered a gallery of mirrors, its identity fragmented into endless reflections. So Aaron will lead us in Old Lang Syne. Should old acquaintance be
Thank you. We have a few minutes now for announcements. If anybody would like to announce anything. No? Very good. A very blessed 2022 to each of you and to your families. And we're going to let Aaron do one more just for the fun of it. <laughs> it's an encore. <laughs> I told him I definitely didn't rehearse this one. <laughs> Maybe it's much too early in the game uh, But I thought I'd ask you just the same What are you doing New Year's? New Year's Eve Wonder whose arms will Thank you.